What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 88 of Two Black Nerds. Nerds. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fan of pop culture and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to share your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com. Go check out our Two Black Symbiotes collection inspired by Venom Let There Be Carnage. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodie stickers, mugs, and tote bags. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we're reviewing the season finale of Marvel Studios' Hawkeye. We'll be breaking down the action-packed episode and the many interactions that occur between the show's heroes and villains. Plus, we'll finish things off by discussing where the series ranks amongst the MCU thus far. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with our general thoughts about the finale, which was directed by Reese Thomas, who originally directed the first two episodes. So before we get into our official spoiler section of this episode and break down all of the details, I'm going to pass it over to you, man. What were your general and immediate reactions to this week's episode of Hawkeye? Oh, man. Um, I don't know what what's going on with these, these MCU shows. I don't know if they're not long enough. I don't know if... I don't know the i that the thought of ending is just sad for them or something, and the the writing goes weird. I don't know what it is, um, but it it these finales never live up to their pen ultimate episodes specifically. Um, I'm not gonna say they're all terrible because <laughs> they're all not terrible, but they just simply don't live up to the hype um, that they build up for themselves, and it's just you know it can be a little. Uh, uh, disappointing, and, and and I found that to be true in this season finale of Hawkeye. Is it terrible? No, for me, it's not terrible. Actually, there's a lot of action I enjoyed. There's a lot of moments I was looking for that I did get, but also there's some other moments I was looking for that kind of happened, but it, it it got real cheesy, real fast, and real real corny, real fast. Um, and you know, and for me, it, it, it ended up making it um kind of okay. Because if you take out a lot of those elements, that was, again, kind of cheesy and kind of weird. And I don't know, forced is the word, but, you know, they moved a little bit too fast in certain places. If you take those parts out, I think it's a good finale. And um, But they just didn't do that. You know, they kept all kind of all that stuff in. Uh, so, yeah, man, I I think it's an okay episode. Um, not perfect, again, by any means. But, um, just, yeah, just a little disappointed from these Marvel shows and their finales. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. But yeah, I'm going to leave it there for now. How about yourself? Certainly, there were a lot of highs and lows for me in this episode. Definitely some moments that stuck the landing for sure. And I think overall, the finale occasionally hit the mark. But ultimately, I walked away from this just with a lot of the same feelings that I've had towards other finales, specifically with these MCU Disney Plus shows. Mm -hmm. There's There's just been so many challenging things that I think that they've yet to overcome in terms of how to land the story and how to really wrap things up in a satisfying way. And for me, this one falls into that trap again, unfortunately. It's one of those things where you come into the finale, you're expecting so many things to be wrapped up, of course. You're expecting some of these specific character arcs to have somewhat of a satisfying conclusion or at least present us with some information that can have us wondering and curious about where Mm -hmm. we may go next. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I was just a little confounded because even at the end of this series, you know, we don't even have a clear picture and idea 
as to whether or not there's going to be another season of this show. Right. This is referred to as the season finale. So that would imply like potentially that there may be more seasons. But Mm -hmm. unlike Loki, we walked away from that show knowing that a season Mm -hmm. two is coming. We can't say the same thing for this show. Um, They just kind of left us to, to wonder. We know that there's going to be continuation in some extent with some of these storylines through the Echo series, which I'm also now wondering, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I'm wondering how true Mm -hmm. it is that that's actually going to be an Echo series, because just based off of what we saw in the finale and in the show as a whole, I I don't know if I find it's hard to believe that they that they think that people are going to buy into watching that type of show, because I don't Mm -hmm. think that they put in the work that was necessary right. to get people excited about that. And mm-hmm. uh, overall, you know, it didn't stick the landing for me, unfortunately. Certain things to like about it, certain moments that were really good, but as a as an, as a complete package, mm-hmm. looking at the finale and then looking at the show overall, I just felt like that there was so much left to be desired, unfortunately, and it just kind of falls into the middle of the pack for me in terms of like, yeah, it was fine, it was okay, you know, and this overall was like a decent watch. There were some things that that were worth watching and worth catching up with, with some of these characters and some of these introductions. But overall, I don't know, man, it just feels like we're falling into some very familiar territory over Mm -hmm. and over. And there's some tropes that I'm just like, well, why do we need to be here for this again? So I'm just hoping that maybe in this next year, in the second year of sort of this Marvel TV experiment that they can, you know, take some of these lessons and, and hopefully apply them to their future, their future series that they have coming. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we have to talk about this in detail. So if you haven't seen the season finale of Hawkeye, uh, please definitely go watch it now before you get into the section of the episode. We're going to spoil all of the details and all of the things that went down in this particular episode. And before we even talk about anything, I, I will say that there's not too much like thematic conversation, I think, to have. This is this is a lot of wrap up. This is a lot of conclusion mm-hmm. in terms of like where the story it's been. It's mostly character interactions and, of course, a lot of action, which we certainly expected to some degree, at least. Right. Um, all of our major heroes and villains have converged to this one big massive event in this episode. It pretty much all takes place at a Christmas party which is hosted by Eleanor at Rockefeller Center during the holiday season. It's happening on Christmas Eve. Uh, But really where this show starts off is actually with a conversation between Kingpin and Eleanor. So we're we're in essence picking up right where we left off with last week with last week's cliffhanger revealing the introduction of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin in this universe, Wilson Fisk himself. And we find out quickly the reason as to why Eleanor is working with Kingpin. Um, essentially, it was it was all in an effort to pay off debts from her husband mm-hmm. um, and to sort of pay those things back, which is why she's joined this criminal organization and she's worked for them. But she's sort of drawing a line in the sand at this point because her daughter is so entrenched and so involved in unraveling this mystery with this criminal organization. And so she's mm-hmm. trying to find her way out at this point. And King- Kingpin really isn't having it. Um, but I guess before we get into like some of the stuff that happened specifically with the with the holiday party and, and everything that we saw there, um, this was an important piece of information that we've been wondering about all season. What are Eleanor's motivations? Why is she so shrouded in mystery? And then also, what is her relationship to Kingpin? Um, before we get into that specific stuff, I just want to hear like your thoughts on what you thought about this this revelation in and of itself in, in terms of her partnership with Kingpin and this organization. Yeah, man, it's something that we had been talking about for, you know, a while, I think, or or, you're, or speculating um, ever since we kind of felt uh, uh, Kingpin was, you know, soon to pop up. I don't know what episode, though, maybe episode two, episode three, you know, when we get the story of Echo, we're like, uh-oh, 
kingpins on the way. You know, when you start to put all the puzzle pieces together, it really feels like, of course, that Eleanor um, was going to be at the, you know, at the head of that relationship and, and, and what was going on. But, you know, it, it it's interesting to finally have him here um and, and and so quickly uh again it's like a the way they they use them in the episode it's a bittersweet thing but i'm just happy again we finally got to the place where it's like yes eleanor is doing this for him for these reasons and you know uh again deep down maybe we didn't have to wait until episode six to do that <laughs> maybe we should have done that actually at the end of five like maybe Five didn't have to end on the cliffhanger, you know, like maybe the cliffhanger happens and then that happens and then this episode ends or something, you know, uh, maybe maybe that helps the episode out a little bit. But um, I, 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 w- I will say it, uh, Eleanor, not going to bat for her or anything, but, you know, she had her reasons on what she had to do for Fisk, apparently that we find out later. But um, yeah, man, yeah, just just not too much to say, um, but that. Uh, Kingpin being here again it's no surprise to us um, and Eleanor being a part of her his criminal endeavors is also not too much of a surprise to us but still happy to see Vincent D'Alfrio while we were certainly excited to see Kingpin of course at the end of last week's episode and obviously he's in full force in this episode for the most part that's a big joy to a lot of Marvel fans especially if you watched those series on Netflix the Daredevil series in particular Mm -hmm. I did start to think about in this episode watching it that there's also a sizable chunk of the audience, possibly even the majority of the audience, who's never seen Daredevil. Mm -hmm. And so while that reveal for a decent amount of us was particularly special to see Vincent D'Onofrio back and have that confirmed, I mean, if you didn't watch any of those Daredevil series, like that meant nothing to you. It's Mm -hmm. just a guy, you know, I mean, you might have heard of the Kingpin character before, which in and of itself is exciting, but... There's this connective tissue there that we obviously have because of those Daredevil series from Netflix. And I'll circle back later when we you know, talk more specifically about Kingpin and how he was utilized in this episode. But I am very worried, honestly, just about the usage mm-hmm. of any pre-existing character that has not necessarily been shepherded into the MCU by mm-hmm. the current team at Marvel Studios, whether it's Kevin Feige or any other producer. Um is there anybody else on earth that can play Kingpin better than Vincent D'Onofrio? Probably not. He does so well at it. But there is a uh, there's a clear distinction between mm-hmm. what we've seen in the past and and to what we're seeing now. Yeah. This particular scene though was was pretty special because I think it was because it was so dialogue heavy and we got to just see him talk to Eleanor. Mm-hmm. I liked what Vincent D'Onofrio brought with his energy in this role. The Eleanor information for me is one of the big duds of this entire thing. Mm-hmm. I just I found no emotional depth to it at all. You know, the fact that she's purely working for him because of a financial debt seems just really shallow to me. And it also, I don't know, it's just kind of weird that she's trying to work her way out of this lifestyle in a sense that she's trying to uh, separate herself from this organization because of her daughter. But for so many years, she's maintained it and she's wanted to live a luxurious lifestyle by working with him, you know, directly. Mm-hmm. And she she was willing to kill Armand. We found that out that she was responsible for his death. She's willing to kill him and even frame Jack in order to, like, keep this lifestyle. But all of a sudden now, you know, because your daughter is involved, that's where you draw the line, which I guess makes sense. But all the decisions that you make leading up to that 
aren't consistent with that. You know, mm-hmm. you've done all these different things. Like you're willing to murder people to 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 uphold it. And I don't know. It just felt it felt like it just had no emotional weight to it. I just felt very dissatisfied by it. And overall, like Vera Farmiga, vastly underutilized in the series. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. it's Vera Farmiga. You know Vera what I'm saying? Farmiga. And so. The fact that we just get here and by the end of it, she just gets arrested unceremoniously. I, it just all felt very weird to me that that mm-hmm. th- this is all we did with her character. Uh, she's such an incredible actress and such a presence on screen. And there was like an an, an episode entirely where she wasn't present. I think it was episode mm-hmm. three. So I'm just like, this just felt like no payoff. You know, she, I, I didn't want her to necessarily be a mustache twirling villain like pure evil or anything like that. But <laughs> right. I think just the way that they set her up, that there was so much mystery to be uncovered with her. And this is what they gave us. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, that that's just so simple. That's just the simplest way to go about it. That just really doesn't carry any emotional weight for me. So I I, I, I almost felt nothing when mm-hmm. they revealed it, when they revealed this information, unfortunately. Um, so that was just kind of one of the things that that, that that left me really, really surprised at how they handled this whole thing. Um, but but seeing this information, you know, sort of all come out, this this led to that big Christmas party, of course, that she was hosting at Rockefeller Center. That was the the main focal point of this episode and I, I i got big big energy from the falcon and the winter soldier season finale as well where mm-hmm. there's another major event happening in new york city and every character just so happens to be present we're all mm-hmm. conveniently here at the same time um it was that council meeting that they were having in the falcon and the winter soldier where they had a battle royale across new york city here it's basically the wildest Christmas party New York has ever seen that's <laughs> mm-hmm. happening in Rockefeller Center. Um, definitely, I think, a more a more contained event for sure. So I think it worked on a on a more cohesive level to just like follow follow every character more easily, follow all of the action more easily. But then by the end of it, you know, you have to have all of these people going back and forth and sort of wrapping up all of their individual stories. Um, but let's start off and talk about uh, Kingpin, Maya, mm-hmm. Kazi, because that's been like a big a big storyline, of course. The Kingpin reveal in and of itself, Maya's sort of back and forth between this organization that she's been working for and also finding out a lot of information about her father and the past and who's involved with that death. Um, how did you feel just about how they handled all of those specific emotional beats throughout their, their specific interactions? Yeah, I, this for some, in this episode, all the Maya stuff, all the Kazi stuff, all the Kingpin stuff was kind of the, the, I think the part of the episode I, I didn't need. <laughs> um, it, it, it was the, it was constantly the parts that, that didn't work for me. I did. I did love um, the opening dialogue between Maya and Kingpin. I love that. I feel like Kingpin definitely knows sign language, but he looks for Kazi to see if Kazi changes any words that she, you know, is 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 trying to say to him. And I think that's a interesting thing that Kingpin would really do. As I was looking at that, I was like, uh huh. I see what you're doing here, Kingpin. So I I did enjoy again like some dialogue stuff, um, but but overall, it just felt like something was missing. When it came to um, everything again happening with Maya's character, I don't know if they like. I don't know. It's like the attention was just not in the right place, or something was just not going down at the right time, or maybe it did feel rushed, or maybe it was too slow. I don't know what was happening, but every time Maya was on the screen, I was like, you know, this is just fine. Like I could maybe the the show will do more for me, but it felt like they could have. Either either you do more Maya and you give us 
uh, more Maya throughout the series, and it makes that those moments at the in the last episode feel better, or you give us less of her, and it makes us. And you just plant the little breadcrumbs, getting us excited for her TV show. And I feel like they found they fell a little too far in the middle for for either side to benefit. Um, and so I think that's why a lot of those moments just ended up being like, okay, I mean, this is fine, but like now I want to see, I just want to see Clint and Kate again because this is like just okay for me. Um, and that's kind of what again what kept happening with their characters, even though I think Echo's character, I, I think Maya's very, it's really cool actually, and she's like important, but the show wasn't giving me, yes, I need to go watch Echo right now kind of vibes. Um, again, until, you know, the very end, uh, which is like, I guess, <laughs> you know, like at least it's something, you know, at least it was like, oh, okay, maybe that's where the show starts, but I don't know, you know, it's was, it was a lot of weird stuff going down there for me. Again, the Kazi stuff still felt Knowing what he does in the in the Matt Fraction run, even Kazi felt underutilized here. Um, especially what what ended up happening to him. I was like, dang, already? So we're not gonna use him later on down the line. So if we're not gonna use him, why didn't we make him even bigger <laughs> than than what he was? Again, is it a time thing? I don't know what it is, but it's like if you were gonna uh uh was kill off Kazi, you had you should have been making him crazy episode two. Or, you know what I mean, episode three, make him more important. Um, that way these things can can transpire. And then when he dies, I'm like, dang, Kazi actually died. Instead of me being like, well, there he goes. It's not like I, I, could, I had time to care about him <laughs> or, you know what I mean, have any kind of uh, um, relationship uh, uh, with that character. So, yeah, man, a lot of that stuff just kind of fell um, um, in between for me. And then uh, Kingpin, I, I will say I'm happy. Uh, I like the I like the cane. The Kane's here. I mess with the Kane. Very comic booky, you know, uh, uh, old school cartoon kingpin. Uh, but man, he uh, they they they're they're too comic booky in the in his in his world um, currently. It's like it, part of me was like, did, did the Marvel producers watch Netflix? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's clearly a conscious choice, but like, how conscious is it? Is, is the question. Um, and again, we'll, we'll get to more Kingpin later. But yeah, man, I, just all that stuff was the stuff that if you took it out of the episode, I probably would have had a, a, a better time uh, with it. So yeah, man. This stuff is also another big piece that just really did not work for me in the way that I hoped that it would. Um, Maya has gotten substantial screen time this season there, there there was a lot of work done to really introduce her mm-hmm. to provide her history and backstory especially within episode three um yeah. the way that 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 episode opened with her brief origin story her condensed origin story i know that we both really enjoyed that and we we liked mm-hmm. what they were doing with the character and her motivations were clear and they made sense obviously with the connection with her father and this organization she's been working for that she's now to some extent in charge of and then by the by this episode, she's barely in it, mm-hmm. and when she is in it, her her interactions with both of these individuals are so brief. And it's just weird to me that all of the work that was done to build up the uh, the the I think the vengeance that she was seeking out against Clint in particular, um, they just completely pivoted away from that mm-hmm. in this episode, based off of what she found out in the previous episode, and that would work 
her quest for vengeance now against Kazi and or Kingpin or both. Mm -hmm. That would work if we had spent more time with Mm -hmm. Kingpin this season or even like you mentioned with Kazi, if there was just more work to be done. But the fact that that's just left solely for this finale to wrap that up Mm -hmm. and to do it in a cohesive way that feels meaningful and emotionally satisfying just almost felt insurmountable. And this is one of my larger problems with, with all of these shows that they've, that they've doled out. I just don't understand why they don't use more time. Just take more time. There's literally no reason to not utilize it. There's no parameters. I mean, there's there's all you there's do. financial parameters, I'm sure, but there's a way to go about this in terms of creating a more a more substantial story mm-hmm. and something that finds that sweet spot of delivering something where it's like, yeah, we got just enough, and we got we we got all of the blanks filled into the things that we were looking for, and. Puts her in this moral triangle, you know, between these two characters. But again, those other two, Kingpin and Kazi, were just never they were never front and center for this mm-hmm. entire season. Exactly. And and one of one of them was positioned as a as a almost ambiguous villain that there was mm-hmm. a mystery surrounding. And um, I feel like that they're leaning they're leaning way too much into that trope at this point. It's becoming so so painfully obvious as to what we see with all of these shows and again if you just didn't wear if you didn't watch daredevil and this guy just shows up and he means nothing to you now you're looking at the finale like why is this guy getting so much screen time like what is he <laughs> why is he supposed yeah. to be important you know mm-hmm. why is he all of a sudden like it just it just it just felt weird it just felt really really weird and so um and the kazi death was just like ah that's it okay i mean mm-hmm. he's never going to be the big bad but damn it's again it's just like why why was he even necessary to be honest like yeah he was an informant but it's just it was just so it just felt so half-assered you Mm -hmm. know and just like so so just fast and loose with how they put things together i'm just i'm you know as i'm just sitting here even thinking about it i'm just really confused as to how this all came about but um kingpin specifically i do want to spend some time talking about him yeah um, because he was such a big focal point Mm -hmm. um there's been a lot of discussion about how he was used in, in this episode, of course, which we've touched on. There's been even discussions about his appearance <laughs> as mm-hmm. well and the way that he looks. Yeah, uh, the, go. the Yeah, the, the accuracy behind that. Of course, like a lot of people have pulled up that that was a, indeed an outfit that he wore in the comics, <laughs> which, you know, it's fine. That doesn't mean it needs to be on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an idea. It's also... It, it's also interesting that like you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt in the middle of the holiday season in New York. It's cold as hell. He like I was about to catch a flight, bro. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he. I guess he had to go somewhere. But um, <laughs> there's so many thoughts about Kingpin and how they utilized him. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very back and forth about it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you know, now that we have him here, now that he's in the MCU, and then also you know they seemingly seemingly killed him off at the end i think we all know that that's not the case um just how do you think how do you think that that all just worked out with vincent d'onofrio returning to this role yeah uh i don't mind having him here uh but i think they had just have to do the legwork to shepherd in the people who who didn't know him before that's a very important thing to do um and although you know they we they kind of give us a little character cues when him and eleanor is talking or when he's talking to echo people trying to learn him um, it's it's just not enough to throw this person we haven't seen for an entire series and then you make him the big bad at the end, you know, completely. I expected more of the string pulling from him in this episode uh, because that made sense to me. You haven't done any of the legwork to be the big bad at the end of 
you know, at the end of this this season in terms of actually showing up <laughs> and like doing a, a lot. You know, I just want him to punch somebody. That's like one small thing. You, <laughs> it could have been five minutes. He could have punched somebody and then again just left it to the tracks of mafia or whoever else, or Kazi, you know, whoever else he had to do. But they really made him a, a big piece of this episode. So, uh, again, that's one thing I, I really do think that people, who again, who didn't watch Netflix, they have to spend some time with him. That, you you know, you got to throw back, I don't know, take a Netflix clip and redo it <laughs> about his, his childhood, you know, um, which, again, they try to do – really fast you know they're like oh he, he went through this and his parents went through this and then he killed his his dad for yelling at his mom and it's like five seconds you know whereas again the netflix crew we're like nope we've seen all of that like unfold in slow motion we know kingpin very well we know what he can do um so that's interesting you have the other side where it's they they're confused tonally clearly with this character they don't know if they're supposed to go more comic booky now that he's in the MCU. Um in in terms of, of of course the cane added, that's not a big thing, whatever. But like the way he fights is different now. He's doing like belly flop punches and all kind of silly stuff in that store, which I don't know what was going on. That's another part of the the whole thing. I was like, I don't I don't know what's happening here. Um but it's a it's it, it feels a little forced. Um but he yeah, I don't know. There, there's such a darkness that we're used to that are that come with these MCU shows that just simply don't match here, which is weird because, you know, the MCU can be dark. So it, it, it it's weird. It's like they didn't want to lean all the way into what he can do, I think, um, as as Netflix kingpin. They they really felt like they have to shift him, his character a little bit um, to make him, I don't know, fit. But I, I don't think that's the case. I don't know why they felt like that that was the case. I don't know if they felt like they didn't want to copy paste, you know, such a dark character into their MCU, which, yeah, man, we know the MCU is lighter. We do know that. It ain't DC out here. They're not out here. You know what I mean? But it's still, he could have fit, you know, um, uh, being exactly who he was. So, yeah, man, just, just interesting choices being made um, by Marvel to kind of figure out this character, his tone. His his change in in small character details, right? They, it seems like instead of just him being really strong, they're changing. We all, well, Kingpin's always looked the way he's looked, like really big, because apparently it's all muscle, right? It's like the thing, and you can tell they're trying to lean into that. Um, but it's also okay not to make that corny <laughs> and cheesy, and that's what it felt like at the end of the episode. Just like, dude, why is Kingpin so cheesy right now? Of course, you know he is a, a comic book character, and he is gonna have his small nuances it's like oh man but yeah it's a it's a comic book but at the end of the day dude it's like you have to make him believable too especially in an episode where everything else i don't know if realistic is the word but you know you have the ronin this dude was like killing people and you have like you know what i mean echo who just whoops ass and you have regular hawkeye who you know does what he does but then there's just like kingpin it's like this dude, who all of a sudden, we've known for a long time, but he doesn't fit into this realm. And so it's like they're trying to figure out what to do with him, but they have to make him the, the big bad because it's a big reveal. But also, yeah, it's just it's just like too much and also not enough going on with Kingpin. There's just again, there's a medium that these MCU shows can't find. 
um, and they're working on it. Clearly, you know, they they still haven't done it, but I'm just really hoping they hit they hit their stride with with these characters and specifically um, with such a again a big character like Kingpin um, coming here in the future. I actually feel a little differently about it in terms of the intention from from Marvel. I think they know exactly what they're doing, and this mm-hmm. is this is really just conjecture from my from my part, but. I have always had a feeling about these MCU Disney Plus shows that they are decent watches. They are good watches, especially if you're knee deep into the MCU and you keep Mm -hmm. track of everything. However, they aren't necessarily essential viewing. And what I mean by that is that here you have the introduction of a major character in Kingpin, somebody that a lot of comic book nerds know. If you watch the Marvel uh, Daredevil Netflix series, you you know who he is, especially from that interpretation, of course, with Vincent D'Onofrio coming back. However, we are going to save the goods until a later later appearance from this character, more than likely in a major project, a cinematic movie. And I think about a show like The Falcon and the Winter Soldier in which if you watch the if you watch the end of Avengers Endgame and you see Steve Rogers give Sam Wilson Captain America's shield, and then you don't watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then you come into Captain America 4, which is going to be in theaters, and Sam Wilson is Captain America, you can reasonably say, like, yes, this makes sense. He was given the shield at the end of that movie. I'm now appearing for the next movie. He's Captain America. That's what I expected to happen. Mm-hmm. If you didn't watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier... All you missed was six hours of Sam Wilson trying to become Captain America. Of course, there's plot details and small specific things that are weaved in throughout that story Mm -hmm. that would make Captain America 4 a much more valuable viewing experience. But is it essential? I would probably say, I don't don't know. We haven't seen Captain America 4, but it seems like it might not be. Mm -hmm. I think essential is such a strong word. And so in relating that to Kingpin, we could be in a position to where let's just hypothetically say he appears in a movie one day let's say Mm -hmm. it's a a spider-man movie or maybe even a daredevil Mm -hmm. mcu show on disney plus where he's the big bad Mm -hmm. well if you didn't watch hawkeye and you didn't see him appear there then there's probably going to be something that happens in between with this character in terms of his rehabilitation him coming back to the forefront whatever the case may be so that by the time you decide to tune into whatever that movie or show is where he is the prominent featured villain if you didn't watch Hawkeye, you don't necessarily miss anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's just like very much intentional things happening in terms of how much they utilize somebody when they have them go through, you know, whatever they go through in these specific shows at this point. And so that's my one aspect about it. The other aspect in terms of just like how they actually use him in this episode. I mean, it damn near felt like Wiley Coyote. Like the rules were just so fast and loose. It almost felt borderline goofy. Like my man got hit by a truck and was fine and just got up, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I know Kingpin is strong. There's a lot that he, he can withstand, but we're just kind of leaning into unrealistic territory at this point. And Kate even shot him with the arrow when they were fighting. And, you know, we know Kingpin typically wears bulletproof stuff. He'll have a Mm -hmm. bulletproof suit. But she shot his shirt. I'm like, we got bulletproof Hawaiian shirts now. That must be a thing. It just felt weird and off Mm -hmm. to me. And And like you mentioned, the choreography, the fight choreography itself was absolutely different. And I think that. You just listen, they just can't do what they can do on Netflix. That's mm-hmm. just the that's the bottom line period yeah. about it. And I don't know if they're confused about that. I don't know if they struggle with that. I think that they strictly just know, well, we can't go that far. We can't get too violent. There's just certain ways that we have to shoot this action, which I did not like. I did not even like the way that they shot the action. Um, 
between Kate and Kate Kingpin's and uh, mm-hmm. particular fight. I just felt Agreed. it was messy. It was incoherent. It didn't look great. I, I, you know, there's just certain ways they can't shoot stuff because if the violence gets too realistic, then we're leaning into TVMA territory. Mm-hmm. And Disney Plus as a platform is just not the place that that's gonna. It's yeah. not gonna exist. You mm-hmm. can't have a kid going on there watching Turner and Hooch, and then they see Hawkeye, and you got this guy <laughs> clobbering a girl, a woman. You know, because mm-hmm. that is that has implications uh, in and of itself. And so I think that there's just also a there's just a line that they have they they really can't toe with with this character in terms of the physical violence. There's probably more leniency that you can have within a movie. You know, we just talked about Spider Man No Way Home, and no spoilers for that movie. But there's just like there's a specific level of violence that they have with the fight choreography in that film mm-hmm. that I think does Works. a really good job really good. of of mm-hmm. yeah of, of keeping within the confines of a PG-13 movie but still illustrating the violent tactics that are utilized. Dizzy Plus is a different animal entirely and they just never really crossed that line unfortunately with uh with Kingpin Kingpin's character. Yeah, that that fight between him and Kate. First of all, how Eleanor took that car and ran into that building in five seconds actually makes no sense. Like it if you no sense if you all. play it back, the angle when she hit the the the, the store and how fast <laughs> it happens, act, it quite literally does not add up. Like it happened, and I was like, it's been ten seconds. There's no way she got in the car, turned all the way around, did a U turn, and specifically ran into that into Kingpin and hit the store that fast. I was it was. I actually had to rewind it to make sure I wasn't crazy. And it it was like a split of a second. I, was, I don't know what that was, if that was editing. That was it was ridiculous. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. But again, this is another one of the aspects of if it had Maya in it, uh Kingpin in it, or Kazi in it. If you deleted it from the episode, I'm like, oh my God, I think I like this episode. But then you all that stuff is here. So I have no choice but to, you know, put it in as as part of the episode. It's some really weird stuff. What I will say is they finally use the runtime, which is the crazy part. They're like, this is a longer, I mean, it's a longer episode is what I'm saying. It it is, but also that (laughs) post-credit scene, quote unquote, post-credit scene. Oh, that was a um, long time. That took up like six minutes of it. That was a long time. I don't know if we needed that, but they, but they did utilize more. You're right. They Mm -hmm. did. They did go further than they have in the past. Yeah. And that's, it's just, I just wish they used more of that throughout the, the 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 series. So yeah. Um let's talk about Eleanor and Kate because we're already there. Um of course that was another major through line throughout this series, just the relationship and dynamic between those two and then obviously the the mysterious element in terms of this criminal organization and the tracksuit mafia and all of this stuff and in terms of Kate trying to crack the code to this mystery. As we know, she found out that her her mother was working directly with Kingpin. Um, again, this is something that they didn't spend a ton of time with this episode. It was a pretty quick interaction also between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kate confronted Eleanor about it earlier in the episode when she arrived at the Christmas party. And, you know, Eleanor is like, you know, you really just don't understand and you think you can live life without consequences, which I think that that that's a part of her motivation as well. Like. You don't even know half of the stuff that I had to do in order to maintain our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't know all the sacrifices that I've had to make, of course. Um, And and then by the end of it, I think that they just implied that Kate has called the police and they just arrived to arrest Eleanor and she's, you know, taken away to jail. It just felt like an unceremonious end to her character Mm -hmm. for this particular show. She doesn't die, of course. 
I presume Vera Farmiga is going to return in some mm-hmm. capacity, especially if we're continuing with Kate's character into the future, which we absolutely will. And so I think that relationship and dy- dynamic between her mother um, has to go forth in the MCU. I'm a little disappointed again with just like how much she was underutilized throughout this show and throughout this episode specifically, and just also the the specific motivations. But I, I guess I'm just more left with questions as opposed to answers mm-hmm. and just more curious about where they could go. It could always grow into something more, absolutely. Um, that is the thing about the MCU is that we always just have to look forward. That's just the nature of, of this type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 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 was something that they, they tried to wrap up, I think, in this episode with everything that was happening, with all of the busyness that was going on. And even though, like, this party was happening, like, she, she kind of just got... She just kind of got wheeled off in a, in the back of a police van, I guess, and she was just like taken off that way. But we'll just have to see like what happens to the future of her character and how that relates to Kate specifically. Yeah, I'm, uh, I feel like they're just planting MCU show villains, and that's why nothing really came of what she's got going on. Because I, I really do still have a feeling, like you said, they'll use her again. And Madame Mask hopefully will pop up at some point. She'll become Madame Mask when she gets out of jail. I don't know how all that works. Um, but I, again, I, I really do feel like they are planting villains, you know, Kingpin, you know, kind of having their back pocket. They kind of, I feel like they have Eleanor in their back pocket, just, you know, people to bring back. Um, so yeah, it's very, very conscious decision for them to leave her in the forefront, which again is annoying thing about Marvel. You know, they do that thing where they're always setting up for the future instead of concentrating what they have right now in front of them. Um, yeah, and it, it can be frustrating for the fans because it's like, no, bro, just make what you have now good. Be Do what you did for Iron Man. Without Iron Man, we wouldn't be here. And for Iron Man, they sat down and was like, nope, we're just going to make one really good movie. And that's what they did. <laughs> and I just I just wish they got back to their roots um, in terms of that and didn't try to set up for everything because that's, that's really what the show these shows feel like they're suffering from is setting up things, which is still funny. Because we, you just talked about it. It's not essential viewing. So it's like, what are you really setting up at the end of the day? I don't know. It's like some energy just kind of being wasted, I think, on the production side of things. So, yeah, really, really interesting choices here. Yeah, I definitely want to circle back towards the end of our conversation and have just like a brief, you know, sort of a brief overview about these series as a whole and how we how we're sort of viewing them, how they're actually creating them. What's what, what's the true intention there? So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll definitely circle back. Uh, let's take a small pivot and talk about some of the action in this episode, which is one thing that I did like. I did yes. like some of the action beats that happened. In particular, Kate and Clint finally teaming up at this Rockefeller Center party and just absolutely obliterating the tracksuit mafia <laughs> with the enormous amount of trick arrows that they created we talked about it in last week's episode that they had to bring back more trick arrows like we needed to see just all of the crazy inventive things that they can that they can whip out in this in this particular fight sequence and they did they absolutely did um and we saw kate and clint finally team up and they also revealed clint's costume finally in this episode even though strangely enough we saw this stuff ages ago in all of the marketing i thought that that was an interesting choice that like a lot of time was spent up to this big reveal for his costume, even though they revealed it in the poster and they revealed it in the trailers. Be that as it may, we did get some good stuff here with the tracksuit mafia, who were just absolutely no match for Clint Kate. Um, their 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 archery skills here, all of the trick arrow. We saw some really crazy stuff here. We saw mm-hmm. some some wild stuff, and I'm like, oh, that actually was kind of violent. What you just did there, you just shot 
an ice trick arrow at this guy's mm-hmm. leg and it froze completely like an entire limb um that's gone he he's he's <laughs> he's now lost a limb um that that's an interesting way to use that um and a few other things any any favorites that stuck out to you with that particular fight sequence and, and some of the trick arrows that we saw man i actually did like the ice one a lot because like you said it was violent but like some sub-zero stuff sure it might have been able <laughs> It might have been able to thaw out, but like I just imagine if like one, he falls on that leg or somebody like punches him in that ice leg, it instantly becomes a, a, a sub-zero fatality, like from Mortal Kombat. It's just I thought that was crazy. Um, and then the the big bouncy arrow. I don't know what that thing was. It's like a that big was wild pillow thing. I just don't understand how I fit in the arrow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I, that's why I thought that was a crazy arrow. Um. And then of course the 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 reverse pim arrow, the reverse big mm-hmm. uh, pim arrow, which was was crazy because uh, that's also kind of dark. I was talking about that with one of my boys. I'm like, so they probably didn't make it because the owl they or she turns them small in this truck, which is funny if you watch subtitles. It says like children crying or something like kids <laughs> something audible <laughs> when they get turned really small. Um, but the, the owl picks him up, takes him away, and I'm just like, those dudes are dead. Like, that owl's going to feed them to something, to the to its kids. Or, I don't know what's going on here, but I was like, dang, that's some dark stuff, too. Um, but those guys are definitely dead. So, yeah, those are, you know, those are a couple, a couple of my uh, standout trick arrows. Oh, my goodness. That is, uh, yeah, we, we got real... Honey, I shrunk the kids very fast <laughs> in that moment. Um, but that 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 would be the situation where, like, if you watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that would be like a situation in which, like, an mm-hmm. insect or an animal actually comes and take the kids away, and they never make it home. <laughs> like, how fucking terrifying That's would so that sad. be? Like, yeah, it's like super sad. And these guys in that van, it's like, who knows what happened to them? Like, easily. <laughs> That owl could have just flew away and, and released them and dropped them. And at that point, yeah, it's it curtains. Too. It's all over. It's all over <laughs> for them. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a really cool sequence. So I'm glad that we got like some really some really nice action beats there and like utilizing the entire Rockefeller Center yes. ice skating rink, which is like iconic. Also made a ton of sense. Um, and then Clint even being within like the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, which is huge. And, mm-hmm. you know, then it gets like toppled over. That was a really cool sequence. So I did like mm-hmm. I did like the amount of action that we saw in this episode because it was just fun. It was fun to take like this New York staple and now turn it into a battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that this was an action packed episode and it was very busy at times. But again, comparing it to like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which also had a big season finale New York City battle, I think that they handled it a lot better here because it was mm-hmm. easier to track the characters and where they were. And then also the action was just like more contained and it made a little bit more sense in, in, so, in so far as the fact that like this wasn't like a massive citywide event. Like, yeah, the cops eventually showed up, but I could believe that in the middle of the night, some shit will go down for about 30 minutes and nobody will really know about it unless you were at the party. And then all of a sudden, like they have to take care of everything. And so it was a pretty contained event that way. So I think it worked well. Um, let's talk about Yelena and Clint, since we are talking about Clint. That was another big storyline in this episode in terms of Yelena seeking out vengeance for the death of Natasha. She thinks Clint that she thinks that Clint is responsible for the death of Natasha. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, it just, you know, sort of unfolds into a conversation that they have to have. Clint is trying to convince her. That Natasha sacrificed herself. She made the decision to say, I'm going to give up my own life in order to save half of the universe. And he realizes that there's no story that he could tell that'll make Yelena believe what happened happened. Like the mm-hmm. stuff that happened to Vormir is just so 
it's just so out of this world that he doesn't even bother with the specific details. He more so went for a uh, emotional play, I think, mm-hmm. with Elena, and just sort of turn in terms of talking with her and trying to establish, like, you know, I loved her too, just like you did, mm-hmm. and she talked about you all the time. You obviously were very close with her, and I just want to let you know that what she did was in order to protect you and the rest of humanity at the end of the day. This was something that she did um, as a selfless act out of love to make sure that the rest of the rest of humanity could continue to thrive. And that was the true heroism of Natasha and that that was like her shining moment. And I think overall... That moment worked for me for the most part just because I like the fact that we're continuing with this sort of eulogy for Natasha at this moment. Obviously, we did not get that moment in Avengers Endgame, and that that received a lot of criticism that Natasha didn't really get her moment. But this entire series has spent a lot of time just like focusing on sort of delivering that information about Natasha and the way that she died, but then also how people around her in her in her life have received this information and how they're reacting to it. So I think that it made sense that they would have this conversation and it would be a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of convenient that he u- utilized the whistle to connect with her. That was a little convenient that they just like doled that out in that way. But overall, it made sense. This is mm-hmm. kind of where I expected this to land, that ultimately Elena would have to come to her senses and realize, like, wow, she she did something that that was far greater than I ever imagined. She didn't die in vain. Yeah, man. Like, like I'm saying, all this Kate Bishop and, and Hawkeye and Elena stuff, it really does work for me. Uh, when they're having that conversation on the ice, uh, Elena and, and Hawkeye, the only thing I wish was a little different was maybe just some of the the script a little bit because it did for a second it did turn into a, a, a really familiar no, she sacrificed herself. I didn't kill her. You're lying. Smack. You know, kind of type thing. And I wish they just changed the words a little bit because I do feel like we we did have to grow through that moment. I wasn't mad at that. I just wish it wasn't so, no, you're not telling the truth. Hit, you know, kind of the thing that we're used to. Um, but, man, Florence Pugh, man, she really is just constantly killing Elena for me. Um, every time she's on screen, it's like, yes. Like, it's, it's always funny because it's like, we're not supposed to like her all the way, but it, it's freaking, she does a great job. She's so charismatic. She's funny. But when she gets serious, that tone switch is so good. Um, and, and the way she does it, it, it really makes her such a lovable character um, in, in every shape and form. Uh, even a little bit before that, when her and Kate are having the sequence throughout the office, you know, going from panel to panel. I loved every part of that. Kate's using bolos and, you know, Yelena has just doing Yelena stuff. And then she like commends her on the moves that she used, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's something Yelena would do. Cause that's what we learned from her in black widow. I think they did. One, one thing black widow did do well is kind of giving us so many, uh, uh, just cues about Yelena's character and what she, you know, what, she, who she really is at her core. It's like, yeah, I know this character and that's something she would do, you know? And, and some of that stuff is starting to add up. Um, and I do like the, small whistle callback uh, from Black Widow, because that's like a thing that's like, man, did you see Black Widow? No, I didn't. Well, you like might not get that 100%, you know, um, which is which is kind of cool. Or even how in, in Black Widow, they were like staging Christmases. <laughs> and in an episode, Yelena is like, oh, yeah, I love American Christmas. You, you know, it's like small stuff like that that does, um, that can be cool. It's like, but it just has to be done the right way. So um, the whistle, you know, it was like, huh. That is a, it's kind of a bailout, like you said, but also it's like, at least they did something that made sense, you know, that 
that Clinton and Natasha would have talked about, I was like, ah, yeah, that somebody was at the writing table. It was like, I have an idea. And they did it. And it, it actually made sense. So I was, I was with that man. But yeah, I think all good stuff here. I appreciate that conversation between them. They, uh, I, it, it's also kind of frustrating though, because it's like, Clint, just tell her what's going on here. <laughs> he just like was just getting beat up willy nilly, dude. I'm like, bro, if you don't <laughs> say something to this woman, you just are not. It. You are not gonna make it. <laughs> just spill it, especially you know if you were her sister's best friend. You know, it feels like it should, this should be easier. Why isn't this easier, Clint? Um, but I guess again, those are more character choices because. You know, it's hard for him to talk about Natasha at all. It's hard for him to talk about his feelings at all. It's hard to talk about what happened on Vormir at all. It's just, it it, it all um, came to, again, just a, a really cool moment between them. And I hope, I'm pretty sure we'll see them talk again in the future and it'll be more cordial. Um, but probably more so between uh, Yelena and Kate than, 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 than Clint. Um, and Yelena, uh, but we'll see. Uh, again, we are not a hundred percent where this is going. Um, but what I will say is, like, you fi- you finally get like this suit, and then it's like retirement time. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe there is like a one more send off that we see um, with with him with the suit on. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Kate, Kate even said it earlier in the episode herself when they were having that interaction. Uh, between the elevator and the office she was like you know stop making me like you and mm-hmm. and i think that that's like that's how we that, all feel that, that allu- <laughs> yeah that alludes to your point it's like you kind of shouldn't be likable because you are or you you at least have been an assassin you still are an assassin actually um but you are just just so damn charismatic and funny and you just say all the right things at the right time so um that that entire you know sequence between kate and yelena in the elevator was also a standout in this episode as well and if we have a season two of hawkeye However, the story continues mm-hmm. like let's do more of them because I'm, I'm absolutely here for their interaction. They're really good together. Haley Steinfeld yes. and Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. they work really well together. And I, again, I think, you know, we mentioned it last week that they they obviously have natural chemistry to where you could just go back and forth with their relationship. Like they have to figure out a way to work together, but they're also just like just always just like arguing and trying to one up each other. And like mm-hmm. Kate's Kate's not quite as good as Yelena on, on the physical end of the spectrum, but she's going to try to be as good. Mm-hmm. And that's going to like help raise her game and elevate her game. But Kate's also super likable as well. So I think that they could do some really, some really interesting, like buddy cop style stuff. Yes, with them. You know, maybe please. in the future, like if season two of Hawkeye does exist, or if that's something that's being worked on and Kate becomes like the focal point of that show, like, Give them an, a, a mission that they have to complete together. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that dynamic blossom. Um, let's hop a lot, you know, a few other loose ends with this episode. Uh, Jack Duquesne mm-hmm. quickly. I don't feel like he ever really paid off as a character. He just felt like a smokescreen this entire time. Mm-hmm. Like we we speculated about the swordsman stuff. He did some sword sword work here. <laughs> he utilized it, but it's like just off yeah. on the side. He's just like having fun. Like, it's really nothing. I just felt like he never really paid off. And then also, like, the LARPers. Um, mm-hmm. I feel very indifferent about it. Like, the grill stuff was decent because mm-hmm. it gave, like, Hawkeye, Clint specifically, gave him another ally and somebody mm-hmm. that he can lean on if he needed help. And, of course, they delivered the outfits to Kate and Clint, and then they showed up in this final battle. Um, but 
I don't know. It just felt like did they did we really need this? No, <laughs> like it just kind of felt unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like I get what they were trying to go for, but I think those two in particular, those things, like they were here, they were present for the fight, they were all there, like for this big battle royale. But uh, it was just like it just again, it felt it just felt busy to me. It yeah. just felt like other other characters on screen that we just want to have included in this, but they don't really serve any story function or purpose. I think if um, we get. Again, a lot of that other fluffing in the episode, I don't mind. But because, like you said, it just becomes busy. There's just a lot going on. The LARPers are here. Kingpin is bouncing Kate off his chest. It's just like, <laughs> it's it's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, and, you know, again, Grills being a smaller character in the comic, too. It's like, okay, I see that. But like you said, Jack kind of falls to, on the wayside as... He never truly becomes the swordsman we're looking for, which, again, becomes a question. It's like, what are we – are you setting up for something? Is there a reason he doesn't fully become swordsman in this? Is it because he, he's going to do that later on? Is he – I mean, now he seems like he's with the LARPers now. So it's like, is that how he gets his costume, you know, as he becomes a LARPer and he's a costume? And now he's swordsman? It's like, I don't know. It's a lot of stuff that it, I just don't know what's happening, uh, you know, with that character. And then – Again, the the LARPers, again, grills make sense. But then it's like, oh, they brought the whole crew, um, which, again, like you said, it's indifferent. You know, it's OK. It's like, oh, the LARPers are here. They're here to help. But like you said, it's like, do we need it? Um, yeah, man. It's just just random, random stuff, kind of. But uh, I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. Um, so let's move towards like the actual final minutes of this episode. Clint does indeed make it back home in time for the holidays for Christmas Day, um, which I think we all expected to happen. And also him and Kate take a moment to actually burn the Ronin outfit, which burn that hard drive. <laughs> I feel like if we just like just burned it like three episodes ago. Maybe some of this stuff could have just like been avoided. I, <laughs> I, I, I get, I guess burning it is supposed to, you know, be symbolic of leaving that past behind, finally burying, you know, though those dark, those dark aspects of, of Clint's life for those five years during the blip. Um, so, you know, I see why they had to do it, mm-hmm. but we also get the moment of like the Rolex has finally like come back into play. We were wondering whether or not that was going to get wrapped up. It did. Clint returns the uh, the Rolex watch to his wife, Laura, and we see on the back of it there is a shield engraving on the watch, and underneath it it has a number 19, which is you know definitely a reference to Agent 19, which is a former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. known as Mockingbird, so that was definitely something that... We definitely talked about last week. You said that that was probably going to be the case, that Mockingbird would be the reference here, um, which is interesting because... Listen, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a TV show on Mm -hmm. ABC for a very long time, for seven seasons, and Mockingbird was absolutely featured in that show. I think we know now that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show is not really true continuity within the MCU, although there's Mm -hmm. definitely a fan base that would disagree and argue that. And I get it. When you invest so much time into a show, you watch it for seven or eight years, and you invest like week to week into these characters, you want it to be connected to this universe. But this, for me, was you know just kind of more of a sign that Marvel Studios, the entity, was distancing themselves from Marvel television and what they did with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, Mm -hmm. within that show. And even recently, when I read the Marvel Studios, the History of Marvel Studios book that they uh, released over this fall, they talked about how, you know, within the MCU... 
Agent Coulson is dead. You know, they they made the choice to bring him back on that TV series, but within the MCU, that character's dead. That sacrifice was meant for Avengers, for that mm-hmm. character to, to, to perish in order to bring that group together. Um, and there's been other things that I think that they've done that have, you know, basically kind of disconnected that series from this universe, but this even seems more so a, a, a way to just kind of separate themselves from what they did on that show. Um, but any any thoughts about just, like, how things wrapped up here and that reveal specifically and just, like, where the show ended off in general? Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm i surprised they burned the Ronin suit because there is a moment in comics where Echo wears the Ronin suit. So I just thought, like, they would go with that, but burning the suit was like, oh, nope, they're not going there. I just think... A dark arc for her starting out the show makes sense. The Echo show makes sense. Because imagine now that does become, in a way, a, a more essential viewing, right? For Hawkeye, if you see like her wearing the Rona suit in her show, it's like, oh, shoot, what happened in before? You know, it's like, oh, that's what happened before. So I was kind of hoping to go that way. So them burning the suit, ah, bittersweet for me because I thought we might get some dark Echo stuff um, here to start out. Uh, I, what I thought was really cool was... Um, the target in the frame at the end of the episode is the target from Endgame um, that they were that they were shooting on. So I thought that was cool um, for him to. It's like he, you know, Endgame his family gets snapped, um, and then you return to the shield, and his family's not only back, but you add a dog and you add Kate, and it becomes like a slightly you know happier of a story for Hawkeye. Um, and I, I wish they like honed in more of that at the end like show us that hawkeye is happy and they did that but just not i needed just a little bit more bring bring it home that he's home you know bring it home that he's home just a little bit more and i would have been i would have been cool with that um but you know we, we 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 have to talk about that moment where they're going back and forth with these names you know kate was going back and forth with names in in all, for all kind of stuff all series uh and you know she's like what about lady hawk what about blah 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 i don't know she had a lot of names for clint uh but again at the end of it clint says okay but what about and it cuts to the hawkeye sequence um and you know i'm interested in if they're if they'll just go with hawkeye for her at some point which is you know an interesting choice because again outside of all this she's a kate bishop that has been her name (laughs) They're like, you know, it's always been Clint Barton as Hawkeye and then there's Kate Bishop. And that's just, you know, that's been her thing. But I wonder if that was like uh, uh, a true interest to pass. Of course, the show was, again, passing up the torch, but actually passing the name of Hawkeye is a, another thing that could be done um, that could change the dynamic of what we're used to. Uh, and even what I thought, I was like, oh, they could just name her Hawkeye. That's not a terrible idea. So, yeah, I didn't know which way they were going to go there. Yeah, I think uh, by the end of this, I watched the final minutes and then it just kind of went off and I was like, oh, that's really that's really it. Mm-hmm. And and to your point earlier about the longer runtime, I just assumed that there was going to be a little bit more of an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we're going to get a little bit of time to see how Kate's feeling and processing all of this information and we don't really get that. I think it was a mistake to position the Rolex stuff as such mm-hmm. a central mystery back in the back in episode four for it to just like pay off in this way. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like that's it. Like, okay, so now she's now she's Mockingbird. Big deal. Like, mm-hmm. are we actually gonna do anything with that? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. They can always open that toolbox if they wanted to, but it just seems like 
it looking back on the series as a whole now it's like well why did we spend so much time mm-hmm. in episode four like if that if that just turned out to be something that seemed seemed like somewhat insignificant i think mm-hmm. um but the the conversation about the naming was was decent and that that obviously that sort of points us to the direction of like what the future may hold but i, I did wish for a little bit more like resolution mm-hmm. maybe a conversation because it was nice at the beginning of the episode to see clint finally say you're my partner, Kate, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. do this together. We're going to solve this together. And I wish that we just got a better understanding of like, okay, so what's kind of next for you all? What's, what's happening? Like Clint, are you, are you hanging it up? Like, are you just going to be done now? Like, mm-hmm. or maybe, may, I don't know, maybe if they do season two, maybe he's just as involved as he is in this season. Jeremy Renner might be, might be willing to stick around. We just don't know, you know, mm-hmm. we just don't know. And I, I know that that's kind of the point of television to, to leave you wondering where things are going to go. But uh, this just seems a little different because the MCU mm-hmm. obviously has so much baked in history there, um, and and it it just kind of ended that way. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to see how things how things shake out in the future, whether or not there's going to be season two or how the story is going to continue exactly. Um, let's just briefly, quickly talk about the post credit scene. It's the one and only that we got this entire season. It was essentially <laughs> the Rogers the musical opening number in full. We had gotten clips of it in the in the opening episode when Clinton his family attended mm-hmm. the show so we got a little flavor from it but they decided to just like show us the uninterrupted version of this it was like five minutes long we got to see all of the characters on stage performing uh performing the song and seeing all of the all of the avengers that were portrayed by the broadway actors and all of the the different people that they focused and featured on stage um <laughs> i guess it was fine to include i feel like <laughs> I feel like it could have just been thrown up on YouTube, to be honest. Like, just throw it up on YouTube, and we can watch it that way. Like, is this really the the, the post credit scene, or at least, or, or or is this really the only one? Like, if there were two post credit scenes that pointed us towards the future, whether it was with Kingpin to show that he's not truly dead, because there's no way I believe he's dead, or something with Maya, or something with Kate. Like, mm-hmm. if there was another post credit scene and this, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like, you had your fun one. Uh, but the fact that this was the only one, you know, just like showing us the entire the entire musical number, I was just like, oh, okay. So that's why this episode is is as long as it as it is, because you spent you spent a good amount of your minutes just showing us this. Where I feel like I could have just like a YouTube clip would have been fine. I didn't need this within the episode personally. Yeah, I was I was kind of looking for a post credit scene that showed us maybe what exactly happened to Kingpin. I thought that was going to happen that they were going to reveal that he wasn't dead. Um, because in my mind, what I was hoping was happen is that uh, you know Echo. I, I was hoping he shot she shot like close to his ear to make him partially deaf, or shot his ear off or something to make Kingpin partially deaf. Or I thought maybe. Um, again, he just survived and he'd be in the hospital bed. I was hoping for a post credit scene where I was just telling you the Ronin suit. I was hoping like Echo was putting on the Ronin suit and that's how it cuts because that's interesting to me. You know, I was like, oh, yes, let's go there. Um, but like you said, none of that happened and we just get Rogers the musical. And it's like, well, I guess I'll watch this whole thing. I could do this all day. And they like start with the, the lawyers and the doctors on the street. And I was like, who are these people? Because I, I expected instantly to see a superhero. But when it Same. starts, it's like a doctor and some other dude. And you're just like, what are we doing here? Is this how the musical <laughs> starts and, and what's going on? Um, but I, I do like the comedy of it all. I think it's really funny still because there's just so much to pick apart in the Rogers the musical. That's like, what is going on? Like ev- everything going on with freaking uh, Ant-Man in that scene. It's like a, an, an Asian dude wearing his hat backwards. Like, 
I just don't know where a that came snapback. from. Yeah, so I, I just don't know where that came from. Is that what they think Scott looks like? I don't know what's going on. It's 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 funny stuff though. Um, but yeah, just just all kind of random. I wish, like you said, we got a different post credit scene, and then that feels like just like a bonus feature, which would have been fine, you know. But we didn't get that. Um, so yeah, I think they don't know where to take it, which is exactly why we didn't get any of that because there's again they they don't know what's going on. So. They they just didn't have one, um, but yeah, we'll 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 see what they got in store for us, man. I have no idea. Well, apparently there's rumors that they actually did shoot another post credit scene that was going to be included that mm. featured Kingpin, um, really. But for for whatever reason, they decided to remove it, um, which I could believe again because the way that it ends, mm-hmm. the, the the implication that he shot in the face off camera, it's like really, really mm-hmm. like you expect anybody to buy that that. It, He's just not going to be here. And if that was the case, like if you did bring Vincent D'Onofrio back just to kill him <laughs> off, like what the fuck? Shame on y'all. That's not. No, no nobody wants that. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no way. And so I think that um, like the gig is up. Just show us mm-hmm. him in a hospital bed show because there's there's there, you know, there's comic precedent there, of course, like there there's yeah. parallels there. Oh, where, yeah. Where Maya does shoot him in the face and he becomes, you know, blind and visually impaired or whatever the case is. And he has to he has to deal with that disability and come back from that. Um, I think we'll 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 see all that stuff play out. But, yeah, just like leaving us at the end mm-hmm. with a um, a pretty mediocre musical was uh, was just kind of <laughs> not the way to go. Um, but let's shift gears here as we wrap things up um, because the show is now over. This is the final episode. Just want to, you know, quickly talk about our thoughts on the series as mm-hmm. a whole and just also, you know, how how it works in the context of of this entire MCU television experiment as a whole. Um, you know, this is their fifth show overall this year and their fourth live action show. Um, this entire year has been their first foray into television ever as a studio. We started things off with WandaVision transition into the falcon and the winter soldier the summertime was dominated by loki and then we went into what if for the fall their first animated um series that they that they produced and now we just ended things off with hawkeye one of the original six avengers uh so i'll just quickly pass it over to you as we wrap up you know what were your thoughts on hawkeye as as a whole and how do you think that things are working out with marvel studios with their with their exploration of these characters into um these these short series that they're producing yeah, so the series started pretty slow for me. Um, those first two episodes, even though we did need to learn about uh, where Clint was in his life and also the intro- introduction to Kate Bishop, um, it just had me a little bit worried for the pace. You know, I feel like uh, these shows, you need to come out swinging a little bit more and then you can dial back and, and start to get a little bit more of that context. Um, but, in, you know, instead, again, we kind of get fillery episodes and I was worried. But. Um, again, shortly after it picked up and I, I did start to get excited about the show and the show did start to provide um, a, a lot of action and, and, and things I think I was looking for. Uh, I, I wish they leaned more into fan servicey things. I think they're scared to do it. But the moment we get between between Clint and Kate um, in the last episode was what I was looking for throughout the series. I love that 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 Avengers esque shot we get of both of them having their bows and them fighting together on the ice. Um, that's why again I loved episode three so much and four. It starts to it really does start to to add up in the action we want as comic book fans, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what these comic books are. It's it's our favorite heroes fighting. Um, so whenever we got that, is when I enjoyed the show um, the most, man. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, Hawkeye. Uh, it turns out just to be okay, and I think it is partially because of 
um again no two episodes is a lot <laughs> and uh you know if you do take out those two episodes and you just take these last four it's 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 it, it would be good right um but you have to look at the entire picture and it it didn't carry uh uh the the weight that i needed it to carry um you know that we spoke about really about all these mc uh mcu shows um but again at the end of the day it's fine viewing as a marvel fan i'm still happy that it's here uh but it's not perfect they're still it still feels like they're trying to find their their footing right how to make these work the best way um and and i do think they they are struggling with how to make uh these essential viewings because they value their movies so much they're like how can we value these tv shows while not giving away too much um and and it's I, I i can tell it's hard for them for us it's not hard it's like bro just give me everything in this show and worry about everything else later um but again in hawkeye it's very clear to me uh that they 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 they, they uh they're pulling their punches they really are they're just like okay let's sit back and you know not necessarily do the bare minimum but get away with stuff that's what it kind of feels like can we get away with this instead of no let's just go all in it feels like can we get away with this over and over um and, and by the end of it that's what it feels like uh I, I, what i do like about hawkeye is also i love the idea of a christmas theme i love that that was the theme of the show i love that clint this is clint's uh uh adventure to get back to his family on christmas i love that idea um i wish we had just a little bit more holiday cheer in it which we did though well you know i, I do feel like we got a lot um but it, it i i hope they, they think of these things more often in the future um, when it comes to the shows and, and any kind of, again, other uh, uh, concepts and things like that. I really hope um, that they can can uh, stick those things as well. Um, but, you know, we've also gotten a lot of characters in this show, a lot, a lot of characters. And we wasted <laughs> a lot of characters, as we just talked about, too, um, which is a problem, which I will say didn't happen in a lot of other of the MCU shows. I feel like a lot of people introduced are going to have, more, you know, bigger payoffs than some of the characters in Hawkeye will, which again, we don't know yet, but it's just the, the feeling that I got from Hawkeye. Um, uh, again, that we just talked about and where Madame Mask is, Kazi is already dead, things like that. Um, but I, I think at the, the end of the day um, that, you know, that we'll, they'll all figure it out um and, and we'll be good but uh yeah man hawkeye just fine for me it uh you know in terms of mcu shows hawkeye falls in a like a a, a third spot um behind wandavision and loki loki being first wandavision being second and hawkeye being third i do like this better than falcon and the winter soldier it just felt more um I don't know. It felt it felt more boosted the ground, and I love Kate's character. I love you know the again the introduction of her. I love what what Clint had to go through a little bit more um, than the overall uh, of what was going on in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it's gonna sit in my third spot for a little bit until maybe I watch all these back to back one day, <laughs> and you know things could change. But right now, um, that that's exactly where it sits. So yeah, man, um, and also. No, that's it. That's all I have to say for now. So yeah, where would where would what if be in that in that equation? Like amongst those four, mm, what if would probably fall, uh, uh, maybe even behind this potentially, um, like right behind this, but maybe still better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think Falcon <laughs> and Winter Soldier. I think it being first or not first, but second was just weird for them because it wasn't Wanda. It wasn't Wanda and Vision. 
but and then also was like their first boots to the ground kind of TV show. I actually felt right. like them doing that first helped Hawkeye a little bit um, in terms of what Hawkeye wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, I think What If would, would probably fall right behind Hawkeye. I liked What If a lot, but, again, we got to get our consistency together on these episodes. And I think everything starts to change, which what which is what makes Loki my favorite. It's because it just had – it knew – I think it just knew – Loki knew what it wanted to be. And a lot of these other shows don't know exactly what they want to be, especially um, – and that's an, also why I love WandaVision. WandaVision was – it was also a moment in time that – everyone was a part of that felt like in the world you know and 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 uh falcon winter soldier doesn't feel like that moment and hawkeye doesn't also doesn't live up to that moment that that wandavision that we were sharing like i was watching with my mom and people was talking about it i didn't even know watch marvel stuff was watching wandavision you know it really just felt like um something different when it was on tv although of course another finale that turns out not to be you know the way uh that that we you know hoped it be so man these series they got a they got to, one, figure out what they want to be just overall, right? You you said it. Is it, where is this essential viewing? Where is it? Is it, where is it taking us? You can skip a, a, a WandaVision technically and just be like, somebody could give you a, a two sentences on what Wanda did in Westview. And you'd be like, yep, okay, that's all I needed to know. And now you're at the Multiverse of Madness, right? Um, which, again, I, Loki has to be at the top for me. It, it, you may not have to watch it. But there are things that happen in it that are clearly going to have some implications that interest me. And I think that's important also within these shows. You can watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier and just be like, well, somebody can ask you what happened. And you'd be like, well, Sam became uh, Captain America. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's it. I see you at Captain America 4. That's exactly all that has to happen. So um, I, I think that's kind of where my rankings are falling. It's like how important is the TV show, not only to the MCU, but to me. And I think that's 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 kind of where why Hawkeye is uh, sitting at that third spot versus uh, uh, over what if and over Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And there can only be one first and WandaVision was first. And mm-hmm. this is their first television show, just like Iron Man. There can only be one first. And right. I think we also went an entire year without any MCU projects. And so mm-hmm. there's obviously a soft spot for a lot of people. But quickly, just about Hawkeye. Um, also, just an okay show for me. This this falls really in line with everything that they've done with with the exception of like low key, like it's it's mm-hmm. fine. It's okay. Um, but I, I, I am getting the impression that this stuff just doesn't feel as essential as I'd like it to. Mm-hmm. And also, I noticed that I like three episodes and I didn't really like three episodes. And the three episodes that I did like were directed by the same people, Bird and Birdie, which mm. were episodes three, four, and five. And the episodes I didn't really care for were directed by Reese Thomas, which were the first two with the two episode premiere and then the season finale. So there's clearly, there's clearly a line there for me personally in terms of like where things shaked out on an episode by episode basis. Cause things, you know, in the first two, they started off fine. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, let's see where this is going. There's a couple of like really good moments. Obviously Kate was somebody we were looking forward to and Haley Steinfeld was, was having a good showing. I just wish we had gotten more Clint and we spent mm-hmm. more time with him and ultimately like, what's this big villain and who's that going to be. And then three, four and five, just like really, really up to the ante I thought, and, and kicked in a new pace and a new tone that was very welcome because we were really, unpacking that that new dynamic between Clint and Kate while also unraveling this mystery and finding more out about Maya Lopez and mm-hmm. Kazi and who's behind all of this stuff and weren't wondering about Eleanor and Jack so there were just like some intriguing things there 
And then when it ca- when it came time to, to to stick the landing, for me, it did not stick the landing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think overall with these MCU shows, man, there's just so many things running through my head. I continue to talk about it all the time every time we, we, we do discuss these series because we've talked about them in such depth. And I, 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 just, I, just, I just wonder and am confounded to some of the creative choices because – I just don't understand the the decision to create a series that is meant to provide more time to characters that we haven't had that much time with. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're introducing so many new people. You're introducing in, in this particular show a Kingpin and an Eleanor and Kazi and Maya and Kate mm-hmm. and Jack and the LARPers. And you just decide that we're only going to use not even six full hours. We're just going to use like barely 40 minutes per episode. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand the 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 reasoning behind that decision. Like yeah. there's nobody telling you to not just use a full <laughs> hour. Like I if you want to do six episodes that's fine, but why are they not true 60 minute episodes? Mm-hmm. Like when we watch Succession, every time you look at the timestamp, the episode is anywhere between 58 minutes and 62 or 63 minutes. And you know, yeah, maybe like 30 seconds to a minute of that is filled with a a you know previously on or here's what's coming next week but the but the majority of that time is spent towards the story of those episodes and of course these are two different networks two different streaming platforms and Disney Plus is still relatively new and even newer are these MCU TV shows but the the, the time spent is just weird to me and, yeah. and and it's also it's also even stranger because sometimes I do feel like that some of these episodes are struggling to fill time mm-hmm. like they don't have enough story for even 40 or 45 minutes so now yeah. so i'm just i'm just wondering like what what's going on here like okay does the story truly need the six hour format maybe so if you're introducing seven or eight new characters okay so how can we actually distill that down to a week-to-week basis to make that stuff be sub- mm-hmm. be substantial and meaningful and it's just um it's interesting because we look at like the marvel Netflix series and I remember at that particular time they were doing 13 hour episodes which were legit an hour apiece and that was too much like I think every almost Mm -hmm. every season of those television series I would look at them personally even with Daredevil Mm -hmm. which were the good stuff you know that was the good stuff or Jessica Jones I'd say yeah you didn't need all 13 hours we probably could have done 11 you know Mm -hmm. we could have we could have we could have shaved off two and now I'm looking at these six episode series and I'm just like it's not enough like Mm -hmm. Why not do seven episodes? Why not do eight episodes? Or why not just fill the entire hour? I just don't understand why we get to these episodes and you see 42-minute timestamps, and three minutes of that is is filled with the previously on, the Marvel Studios logo, and then six minutes of credits. It just... It's 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 kind of <laughs> ridiculous to me. I'm I'm really I'm really becoming frustrated at it. Yeah. Obviously, it's only five series at this point, so it's not truly a big enough sample size. We have mm-hmm. to we have to see how things shake out in year two. Uh, but I, I I do struggle with that with with the time spent. And then the other thing that I'll mention, the tropes that I'm seeing develop over the course of these series, is becoming so repetitive. The fact that so much time is spent on a quote unquote mystery villain, mm-hmm. which is the most obvious shit in the world if you really pay attention. Like yeah. I and I think a lot of people who are very much in tune with like the comics of it all was certainly not surprised by Agatha all along. Of nope. course she was the villain. And then you get to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, Sharon's the power broker. 
There's no surprise there. Mm-mm. And then we get here. Kingpin is the criminal mastermind. Absolutely no surprise there. Why there's so much time spent on these mystery twists and these mm-hmm. mystery villains that we spend five episodes unpacking to only reveal at the very end of the show? Why are they going back to that over and over? I don't get that. Because when we go see their movies, there's not really a mystery. There's not There's mm-hmm. not something to be found. And TV is obviously a different medium than movies, but... I don't understand why this this is a repetitive repetitive thing. Like we watch a lot of shows outside of like the MCU, mm-hmm. and most shows aren't centered around a mystery. They just tell a story. They tell mm-hmm. a story beat by beat. We go, you know, episode to est- episode to episode. A lot of the time, it's linear. Some things, you know, you utilize a, a non traditional story structure to tell their to tell their stories, but. At least in three of their, actually, at least in, in four of their shows, with all of their live action shows, there's been a mystery of mm-hmm. who's behind all of this, who's pulling the strings. Because yeah. first it was Agatha, then it was Sharon as the power broker, then it was He Who Remains in Low Key, mm-hmm. which they actually kind of stuck the landing on that, and now it's Kingpin with Hawkeye. I just don't get that. I don't get like, are we gonna ge- continue to just do that every time out? That's not interesting at all. You know, why yeah. do we do that? And then the last thing I'll just quickly mention is. This is more ridiculous, but it's true. A lot of these shows have been like, okay, let's get our let's get our hero to their to their comics accurate costume. Mm. Let's spend six hours to get them to their comics accurate <laughs> costume. By the end of it, you get the reward of seeing them in their true to form comics accurate costume. Wanda, you finally get to wear the Scarlet Witch outfit. Mm-hmm. Sam, you finally get to wear a Captain America outfit. Hawkeye, you can finally put the comics accurate costume on that Kate's been hounding you for this mm-hmm. entire series, even though we saw it months ago in the marketing. Yeah. Why? Why are we spending so much time <laughs> on costume reveals? That's silly. Mm-hmm. Like we don't we don't need that. Can we just start off with the costume and just right. get that out the way? Like again, that's what I mean by essential viewing. How essential mm-hmm. are these things? Like are they just there to be entertaining projects and to just be new additions to the MCU and to introduce some new characters that'll pay off more so in the future? Okay, I guess that's fine, but it's starting to feel it's starting to feel a little redundant and and yeah. and a, not 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 a waste so to say because we are getting things out of this stuff we are meeting mm-hmm. new people and seeing things come come to life from comics that we've that we've desperately wanted to see but it just it just feels a little redundant and I think when I talk to somebody that's more of a casual viewer which is the majority of the audience and they ask like damn do I need to see this before I watch any of these movies and as you mentioned for me the answer is always going to be no mm-hmm. it's going to be no for WandaVision, yep. leading into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is going to be a no for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, leading into Captain America 4. It's probably going to be a no for Loki, leading into, into Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. Quantumania, just to be honest. like Because he's just left to the end. like You have to figure out everything in the final episode. And for here, whatever like the next iteration is, unless it's strictly Hawkeye Season 2, like if it leads to a movie or something, I'm going to be like, no, you don't need to see it. Like mm-hmm. just, just catch up when the movie comes out. So, I don't know, man. We have to see, obviously, how things shake out next year. We can look forward to Moon Knight coming. We can look forward to She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. We can look forward to Secret Invasion. And we can look forward to Miss Marvel. So these are pretty much all new interpretations of things that we don't really have any previous history with, for the most part. So there's going to be a lot of newness on the, on the TV side of things. But I'm just kind of left in limbo about it. Like, they're fine. I'm going to watch them because we're, you know, we're completionists at mm-hmm. the end of the day. But... The TV stuff, man. I'm just like, there's so much really good TV out there, and you're not doing TV that well, mm-hmm. Marvel. I just need, I just need y'all to do better. Yeah, they need to keep up <laughs> because people, hey, TV is really good right now. I don't know if people noticed, but like something shifted within like the past ten years where 
with the streaming age came just this i don't know this uh uh these new ideas to write different stories and in in to come hard on, on on a lot of different things because there's a lot of stuff out now every every service feels like it needs to have its own tv show but a lot of those tv shows hit and that's why tv is so different now um and so disney needs to find a i, I feel like they 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 feel like they don't need they don't have any competition, which, you know, I mean, it is the MCU, right? I mean, sure, people are going to watch it, but I feel like they still need to have that hunger to give us everything, you know, we want and need in a lot of these TV shows in terms of, you know, competing with any and everything else. You know, WandaVision did get a lot of looks because you could tell that there was a, at least a, a different kind of love coming out of that project, you know, that they were trying to do. But they need to put it in every project that they do, put that same energy in. WandaVision is not perfect, but you could tell they were trying. <laughs> and I just want that same, again, that same energy across all their projects. You just said it. We're, we're going into new territory. And I'm excited for that. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they don't need to to harp on any of these older characters. Maybe when Moon Knight comes out, it's just Moon Knight, right? You don't have to do any of the, oh, no, Hawkeye was here before or uh, 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 Sam and Bucky were here before or you know, they don't have to do any of that groundwork anymore to figure out where they were. It's like, nope, this is an origin story. Let's start here. And hopefully that that brings out something different. Um, in this next, you know, upcoming age of TV shows, like you said, Miss Marvel is going to be like that. She-Hulk hopefully is like that. Hopefully there's not too much where Bruce Banner is and all of this. Maybe hopefully it's like this is quick. We we understand her position. Let's tell some stories now. Let's tell some adventures. That's all we're looking for, man. Um, and Secret Invasion is going to be insane. Probably. Hopefully. That's the one I'm excited for because it's not a character TV show. Secret Invasion is an entire really really big event um in the comics and i hope they you know they have this weight uh that they could carry with the tv show um but yeah man they they need to use the whole hour because why not this is like the you know we talked about this game of thrones benioff and weiss hbo literally was like no y'all can use all 10 episodes if you want and they were like ah, we're good with six and seven but why <laughs> what is the reason it people people don't understand like when you use that whole time to tell a story it work it usually works out better but i don't know man it's like it's like they're being lazy and i don't i think that i don't like that aspect of it don't be lazy just you know give us um any and everything so yeah that's all i gotta say they kind of need like their own version of game of thrones like can we just get a show that we can count on coming out once a year like yeah. we just know that this is strictly a show mm -hmm. it's not leading into a movie it's not setting up the next big crossover event like this is a show yeah and it's gonna come out damn near on a yearly basis mm -hmm. or maybe like a year and a half basis like we we knew game of thrones like when it was coming out every year at the same time around the same time springtime we knew it was coming out or even like looking at something more recent like the witcher on netflix like Mm -hmm. That's been consistent. Like they knew that they were going to do multiple seasons. And like, I think the creators have talked about like, yeah, they planned out like six or seven seasons and we're going to keep shooting them. Like people who are fans of the Witcher can just expect that show to be out, you know, probably every winter season or at least every other winter season somewhat on a somewhat consistent basis. And I think that they just need to find a show that's just going to live and exist as a show. Mm -hmm. And we can follow the characters like across, like introduce everybody up front 
and that's who we follow. And then every subsequent season, you can introduce like one or two new characters. You know, we, we see that with Succession. We knew who the major player players were from the get go. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously that's a very different show. It's a it's a real life drama about you know a rich corporate family. Of course, this is this is comic book superhero stuff. I get that, but there's no reason you can't just like give us all of the essential pieces first, mm-hmm. not focus on a mystery. And then just tell that story. And every individual season can be a self-contained story, but it all still works cohesively together mm-hmm. and still connects us this overarching idea that you're trying to achieve. So yeah. I just want them to kind of, you know, maybe think about play around with that more, you know, and, and, and try to try to see if that storytelling mechanism might work for their for their properties. Um, and then just lastly, like in terms of like where it ranks for my 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 MCU shows. I think it's probably identical with yours. Loki is number one for me. WandaVision's number two. Mm-hmm. I guess I put this at three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'd, I'd I'd probably have Falcon and Winter Soldier at four. And then what mm-hmm. if at five? Mm-hmm. Because um, to your point about the tones and just like what these shows want to be, um, for the most part, probably with the exception of Loki, the tones have been just all over the place. Like mm-hmm. one episode, we're leaning heavily into the comedy of it uh another episode they get they they get very very serious and they're trying to push out a lot of different messaging which they typically do well in their movies but their shows um have just been a little bit less consistent for me but that's probably how i would rank them at this point so again as you mentioned a lot to look forward to next year we do have four more shows coming next year moon knight miss marvel she hulk and secret invasion all are expected to drop in 2022 this has been a big year for the mcu we've gotten five tv series four movies We've reviewed every single thing. We've talked about every single thing with MCU this year. We are MCU'd out at this point, so I think uh, <laughs> a little break, a little break here will be good over the next few months until the next show premieres. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this episode of Hawkeye, this season six. Excuse me, not season six. Episode six season finale review of Hawkeye. We are officially down and out for this episode and for this season of Two Black Nerds. If you've been following along for season five, it's been a great, great season for us. We are at the end of the year. This is the final episode of the year. We will, of course, be back next year in January to talk about any and everything that we see, including movies that are coming out right now, such as The Matrix Resurrections or Scream or The Kingsman, just all the stuff that we're catching up on. We'll be back shortly, but we're just going to take a few weeks off here to just sort of recharge and reset and get ready for the new year but again thank y'all again today uh today for tuning in and thank you for all the support throughout the year and we'll see y'all until until into the new year yeah now is your time to catch up on all things two black nerds go watch a movie might pop up on streaming go listen to two black nerds a movie a tv show that you're finally catching up on that we reviewed watch it and then go and then go listen to two black nerds i promise um it's it's, it's good stuff here uh, but also just, you know, keep up with stuff, watch movies, share with other people, um, the ideas and thoughts that you have about these things as well. And tell a friend about two black nerds today, tomorrow, the day after give your mom, a two black nerds mug for Christmas. Give your grandma uh, a sweatshirt, get your little sister, a tote bag. I don't know. Do what you need to do, but two black nerds.com to, to catch some uh, of your favorite merch, man. Woo. Y'all with that being said. We are Audi 5000. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. Where we're too black, too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Till next year. Peace.